it's the difference between having your business support your life or your life support your business. Like what life do you want? What lifestyle do you want? What do you want your business to look like? And then how can you get from where you are to that? Like if you want to be a well-paid, self-employed freelancer, then yay, good for you. Like there's nothing wrong with that. You can still utilize all the tools that you teach at YouGurus and, and get paid very, very handsomely as a solopreneur and stay that way if that's where you want to be. If you just never want to handle team or anything and that's how you want to be, you can still do that. Or you can do what I've done, or you can be, you know, a multi-gazillion dollar agency with, you know, hundreds of staff and and the big office. Like none of those are wrong answers. It all just depends on what you want to create. Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver, and this is The Digital Agency Show, the podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here, and once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. We've put together an agency accelerator package for agency owners and growing freelancers looking to scale. We've got all kinds of free resources like the 39 lead gen strategies checklist, our $20,000 website proposal template, live trainings hosted by yours truly, free access to our community group, and much, much more. Get access now and dive in at yougurus.com forward slash agency. That's yougurus.com forward slash agency. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners, digital agency owners. Welcome to another episode of the Digital Agency Show. I'm your host, Brent Weaver. And today, we're going to do a bit of a look back at a previous episode that was recorded on the show several years ago. It's one of our top downloaded episodes of all time. And it's my interview with Marima Carmichael. She's a YouGurus mentor. And she has been able to create a virtual agency. Now, when we recorded this episode, a lot of people were still running brick and mortar agencies. Since then, we've had a worldwide pandemic, a lockdown, and all sorts of stuff. And I think the whole world has moved to Zoom. But a lot of what Marima did to set up her business to work remotely are things that are still valuable today in terms of building a remote culture, how to manage people through accountabilities and make sure that you're able to continue to deliver amazing value to your clients while still keeping that flexibility that I think a lot of us love from remote work and having a remote and virtual team. And so let's take a listen to this episode. It's a little bit on the longer side. We used to, uh, I think, go a little bit longer in our format. But it's a great conversation. And Merima's business, uh, which has now been rebranded from when we did this, uh, is now Oracle Tree. And her business runs you know, even more without her direct management. She mentors a ton for you gurus. I think her business has two or three or four X since we recorded this episode. And so the things that she's talking about in this episode have been huge contributors to her continued success. And we could all learn a lot from her advice. So enjoy this look back. And hope you're having an awesome week. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners, digital agency owners? I'm your host, Brent Weaver, and we are here for another great episode of the Digital Agency Show. Today, we have uh, one of my good friends and a bootcamp mentor, Merima Carmichael of eSense Web Design, who is based in Australia, and she runs a virtual agency that works with several different industries. She's got over 20 years experience as a mentor 
as an entrepreneur, and uh, she's been mentoring women in a business accelerator group in Australia, as well as she's taken over a hundred people through our You Gurus Bootcamp, which obviously uh, we think is really awesome. And she's sold millions of dollars worth of web projects, has hundreds of clients, and manages to do the, all of this while spending a good chunk of her time traveling to the other side of the planet for a couple of months a year. So if you guys are thinking about how to run a virtual agency, how to travel a lot, and still have uh, your business run without you being present or even checked in, then this is definitely an episode for you. Welcome to the program, Erima. Thanks, Brent. Well, thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. So what was, uh, what was the defining moment where you decided that creating a web agency was the right move for you as an entrepreneur? So for me, there was a really dramatic moment that was one of those pivotal catalyst points in your time. So it was back in 2009, middle of winter. I'm going to set the scene for you. Um, I, at that point in time, had been running a natural therapy centre for a good 10 years. Um, and my son was like nine or 10. Um, and I was on my way home from work to pick him up from Taekwondo practice. It was cold, it was raining, it was dark, it was winter. Um, and I get a call on my mobile from the fire department asking me you know, if anyone was in the house because my house was on fire. So that was kind of dramatic. I, to be honest, didn't believe them at first because they were asking me if anyone was at home. And I was like, who are you asking me if someone's at home? So I actually called like the emergency line to make sure that it was actually a real person and it was actually the fire department. Um, and it was. And so I remember getting to my place, you know, obviously I called my husband, picked my son up. And I remember standing outside our house, like watching everything that we owned, like literally go up in smoke. Ewan, my son, was in his Taekwondo uniform. He was shivering with cold. Um, you know, my son, uh, sorry, my husband had this like big like um, coat from like an old World War II jacket. So we were all three of us like huddled up under my husband's coat in the rain with my dog on a fireman's leash, just like watching the rain and the fire hoses and the house in flames. It was insane. And I remember thinking at that point in time, like, what am I doing? Like, literally, what am I doing with my life? Why am I picking my son up in the dark and the cold every single night? Why have I, you know, made myself this job for a really horrible boss that makes me work long hours and pick my son up in the dark and cold on, at night? And so that was kind of, you know, the catalyst for, for me changing, changing everything. So, you know, I, I closed down the practice um, and I you know, basically a couple of months later started the web agency. Um, and haven't looked back. And I was very deliberate at that point in time that I wouldn't have a premises. I wouldn't have an office that I was basically making myself be a nine to five or nine to six employee again. Um, I wanted that freedom. I wanted to be home for my son when he came from, from school. I wanted to be able to travel and you know, live my life and have my business support my life instead of my life support my business. Um, so yeah, it was a, a real... It was a, a challenging time and a really dramatic experience. But to be honest, that it was probably the best thing that's ever happened to me. Um, it really yeah, changed everything. So looking back where we were then and where I am now, wow, like totally different places. I, I can tell uh, you, you have a, a slight optimistic uh, bent to your mindset that... That I your am. house burning down was the best thing that ever happened to you, <laughs> and um, and it, it just—it's so crazy how 
it takes something that massive sometimes for people to wake up or to shift and for you to go through something so traumatic to realize that something that you were doing, you didn't probably even realize you were doing, but you were unhappy with something in your life. And then this thing happens and forces you to think about life in a very deep way. And you kind of reprioritized and said, okay, well, this is what's important to me. My family is important to me. I'm going to reset this. And how, how will I make that more be present or not be, you know, picking up your kiddo in the, in the rain? That's, that's an incredible story, Merima. Well, it's, it's one of those things that it's, it changed. It really, when you're watching all your stuff go up in smoke and you're taking stock of what you have and you realise that you've got the two people that you love most on the planet and your beloved dog, you know, on a, on a fireman's belt and the rabbit was okay. And it's like, okay, all the living things are okay. Everything else is just stuff. And stuff is easy to, you know, get back, really. Like it's sort of, it's, you know, it's not easy, but all the important stuff isn't that monetary stuff. You can't get your time back. You can't get those hours back. Um, and, and I do, you know, have, I have a, a belief system and a mindset that, you know, everything happens for a reason and, and, you know, thoughts become things and you can always, you know, you put your own interpretation on any action that comes to you, like any, anything that happens to you, it's your choice how you react to that. Um, and, you know, we were in shock. It's not like it's like, yay, your house is burnt down. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, we can laugh about this a little bit yeah. now because it seems like, I mean, nobody it was, was a hurt. a long time ago. It no was... one was hurt. Yeah. But, you know, it makes you count your blessings. And, you know, we were homeless, like officially homeless for three days. But we had, you know, it, the, the looking back on it, and I think possibly being in shock, and I was kind of, you know, having an out-of-body experience. Like I swear I could see the three of us and it was like, you know, a scene from a movie. I could see us all huddled up under Nick's jacket. And you know, dripping wet and freezing cold and shivering, and I could almost see us, you know, from an aerial view, long shot, you know, pan out into the you know pivotal scene in a movie, um, and you know, in shock, you just deal with what's in front of you, and it's like, okay, everybody's here, everybody's fine. What's next? Next thing we need to do is find somewhere to sleep, then etc. So yeah, I think I was in shock for a little while, and possibly made some snap decisions while I was in shock. But the decisions I made at that point in time were were all right. Um, they, you know, I trusted my gut, which is something I'm very, I'm very into as well as I like trusting your own sort of innate wisdom and intuition. And so, you know, I took some fairly dramatic action in the, in the month or so afterwards um, and changed my life for the better. Well, I mean, it didn't happen all at once. It happened sort of over a three-month period, but within a month I'd closed the centre down and I'd, um, you know, moved my private practice, my, my natural therapist practice home. Um, and then I realised that I was bored um, because... I'm a, I'm a mentor by nature, I think. Like one of the things I really liked about the other business I ran was actually helping practitioners grow and develop their business when they came in. Um, and so I, I looked for something that would do that and that's what really started the web agency. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, my so, next question was going to be, I mean, out of all the businesses in the universe you could have started, you know, going from this, you know, naturopathy business to web <laughs> Web design. Oh yeah, that's that's logical. That makes sense. Oh, right? totally. I, I get that. Um, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so I was the typical DIY web person and DIY DIY marketer person. So when I had my agency, I did I made our own website for the agency. Um, and I'm a natural mentor, and I have a background in business. So, so before I started 
I've been around for a while. Um, before I started the um, natural therapies practice, I had a um, like I, I was a, a salesperson and, and was in corporate for a few years. So I have a background in business, not in web. So I was looking for something that I could do remotely, something that I didn't need to have an office for, something that would be flexible and I could travel and I could, you know, be home for my kid when he came home from school and all that kind of stuff. So it started off just me helping the practitioners who I'd made business homeless um, because I closed the centre down with like 30 days notice. It was like, everybody, you need to find a new place to work. And so I was helping them with their online presence and that's how it started. So that was in 2009 and, oh my God, the sites I made then, embarrassing. I was, I was the $500 <laughs> website girl. <laughs> so we've come a long, long way. Um, but yeah, I just it started from there and just slow, like over time, over the I think probably about three years of of the getting the bases together before I kind of really felt like I, I started to know what I was talking about. Hey, what's up, agency owners? I want to let you know about a hosting platform that is giving digital agencies and creators around the world an edge when it comes to site speed, scalability, and profit. It's called Cloudways, and it's designed to create exceptional experiences for you and your clients that guarantees unmatched performance, reliability, and choice with 24-7 award-winning support. Cloudways is excited to offer our listeners a $50 hosting credit in addition to their amazing benefits of their agency partner program. For more details, head over to yougurus.com slash cloudways or use promo code DASCW when signing up. Let's get back to our show. So let's fast forward to today. What does eSense look like? What is your what is your setup? Typical client? How many clients do you guys have? And and uh, how many people on your team? That kind of thing. Yeah. So today we've got a team of four full time equivalents um, and various outsourcers and freelancers that we use as we need to. We are all virtual by choice, as I said, because um, A, it keeps overheads down, your margins are much higher if you're not having to pay for office space, um, and B, it gives me the flexibility to be able to travel um, and have my home office and all that kind of stuff so I can prioritise what I'm doing and have more funds to do the things that I want to do. We typically have got about six clients on the go at any one point in time as far as like project work goes, like a big project. Um, and we've probably, I think we've got about a hundred clients on various sorts of retainer things. And yeah, that, that's kind of it. We've got um, our, our uh, teams all over the world. We've got people in, the, in Europe, um, in India, in the Philippines. Um, our core team, our client facing team are all local, but even the local team are remote. So, you know, we do our leadership meetings via Zoom. Um, we have our, you know, we use we utilize technology to have that constant communication and stuff, um, but even you know our project managers and client facing people are all like Australian people, so they have the the local for us accent when they're talking to clients. Um, Doesn't sound and, like us American John Wayne type folks. No, <laughs> no, unfortunately, I love the American accent. Um, but yeah, so we we have we've conscious to have that local. We did try um, a, a project manager from offshore, and it just didn't work for us. So we, mm. we keep some of those local, and yeah, it's it's great. It gives me gives me the lifestyle that I want. It's also you know from from to go full circle from losing you know everything in the house that we were renting. Now you know three or four years ago we bought our own place that you know the company you know. The bank decided that we were good for money enough to buy a house um, from the company's income. So that was kind of cool. That was a, a, a bit of a, um, a, a, what's what I'm looking for? A milestone 
Yeah. Because um, they, they feel like a grown up. I, yeah. I know how that goes. I mean, you, you, they kind of put you through like this other process that, you know, employed people, which I guess there's an assumption there that self employed people are riskier or something like that. But mm-hmm. whatever. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Don't, you don't know. You don't know. Um, so, yeah. We've got a house and, and so you know, we're renovating that at the moment. And, and as you know, I travel quite a bit. I'm, we're off to Japan in a couple of weeks with the family for, for a couple of weeks holiday. So it's, it's, and that's the main thing for me. It's like I've, I've always, I always regret after um, we often have a gap year. I don't know whether you guys have gap years um, in between high school and going into further education. But Americans like, don't take any time off at off. all for anything. <laughs> Uh, so in Australia, oftentimes people take a year off and you like go backpacking around Europe or something. I never did that. And the first time I travelled was actually like three years ago. It was the first time I've been overseas. And, and you know how much I travel now. Like I'm, I'm overseas like three or four, you know, last year was four overseas trips in the year. And that's all because of the way I've set up the company, like very strategically, very logically. You know, it's profitable, it's remote, it's virtual. Um, and that's so as I can, you know, get around and... and you know, travel like I want to. And, and I want to talk about the, the the checking out of the business and traveling and that kind of stuff in a second. But let's just kind of, let's, let's kind of pop the hood on this whole virtual agency setup that you have. Because I feel like there's, it's a, it's a, it's pretty common, I think, for, for agencies to kind of go this direction. I've, I've met with big and small that have gone this direction. But I'm always interested in terms of, you know, how you make your team culture work. You mentioned Zoom uh, earlier. I mean, I think people always sacrifice a little bit or could sacrifice a little bit of culture when they go remote. Um, how, how do you guys make that work? I mean, you've, it sounds like you've, not only have you been remote, but your intention is to stay remote and to always be remote and virtual. And so what are some of those things that you've kind of learned over the years that have worked for you to kind of bring that team together? So I think the biggest thing is to actually just be aware and respectful and understanding that there are differences. There are cultural differences. There are time zone differences. Um, If you've got anyone who speaks another language, it goes a really, really, really long way to actually pay attention to their holidays and wish them happy holiday in their own language, even if every other time they're all speaking in English. Um, I know that my main designer is in Romania um, and their Easter falls at a different time and it's they, it's for least something or other. I, and I literally Google it, happy Easter in Romanian, and posting that greeting in our um, instant messaging thing made his year. It, like, it doesn't take much to actually you know, make people feel welcome and, and cared for. So we have... You know, all of the similar things that you'd have in an office, I always just think about how can I make that virtual? So we have daily stand-ups, but the way we do that is via, um, we use teamwork, um, but it's very similar to Slack. It's like an instant messaging thing. So when you start work on your day, you do the same kind of thing as you would in a daily huddle. So we do segue business best, personal best, what you're working on today, what you did yesterday, and if you're stuck anywhere. Um, And that's when you start your day. So everyone um, does it at different times of day. Our design team and development team pretty much work overnight for us. So we make sure that the project managers have got any information that they might need by close of business our time. So our designers can have it their time. Um, and we make sure that there's like an overlap. So our designer is a night owl. So he's usually, you know, up between about 9 and 11 a.m. our time. And so we'll be talking, you know, via Slack or, or Zoom, et cetera, or we'll 
get up early and we have face-to-face meetings with him every week and all that kind of stuff. Um, and doing silly things like birthdays. Um, we make fun, stupid vid- uh, YouTube videos for everyone on their birthday. We put it in the general team chat thing. About once a month, we have like just, we call it drinks after work. And again, it's just a Zoom chat where everyone turns up and we talk about last time it was a lot of politics. It's interesting. <laughs> um, <laughs> But we just talk about everything, like you would, you know, if you had drinks after work. Um, and that's kind of the intention is to, if if there's a team building exercise that people do in person, it's how can we do the next best thing in a remote way. And I think even that intention makes a huge difference because it's appreciated. I think a lot of um, businesses who are using an offshore team, they kind of think that they're robots and we actually... Yeah, our designer actually has got a saying that we laugh at him for because whenever we're actually pushing him for deadlines, his, his comeback is, I'm not a robot. And, but I think that sometimes you do kind of expect offshore teams to not... I've seen a lot of businesses not treat them like they're people. Um, mm. They're just a tool. Um, and I think just treating people like people goes a long way for building culture. Yeah. I've, I mean, I think that that's a, that's a common pitfall to think that, you know, just because you're maybe interfacing with somebody mostly through Slack or that that human connection does kind of deteriorate or can, can de- deteriorate if you're not conscious of it. Um, yeah, absolutely. So I remember one of our, uh, one of our designers once, that, um, again, one of the Romanian um, girls, she was sent photos. They had their Romanian National Day and she sent these wonderful um, pictures in on, on, I'll call it Slack for the sake of it because that's more well-known by people, but on the chat channel um, with her in national costume and their national food and all that kind of stuff. And we just, you know, talked rubbish, like we just chit-chatted about it for a bit. Like instead of, I think sometimes too, when you're working remote, you feel like every interaction needs to be work-related. And I think that's a pitfall too, because if you're in the office, you do have those passing in the hall water cooler chats. So actually allowing a virtual space to have that kind of non-business-related chit-chat rather than, well, you're on the clock, you should be working. Why aren't we talking about business? Um, Actually leads to a stronger culture. So... um, our main graphic designer, he's been with me since 2009. So he was, I, when I was doing, started off as nobody, um, like with no business, it was just me kind of being a hack web developer. He was, I got him off Elance and I asked him to make me a simple web banner and he's been with me ever since. So you can have like really loyal teams and really loyal culture if you find the right people. It's like everything though, there's hit and miss. I'm sure that hiring people locally, they're not always a success. Um, so we the way we try and work virtually is to make it as close to not virtual as possible. I think it's a really good takeaway for people that have virtual teams or, you know, I even see people that have uh, more brick and mortar places. Um, Maybe they are starting to have like maybe some some contract help or um, some people that are, you know, maybe working part-time for them and maybe they're not used, they have like an in-person brick and mortar culture and then it makes your people that are remote feel kind of isolated and alone and not a part of that culture, um, which that probably doesn't take very long to kind of break down. And we've kind of gone 100% remote um, this year. I mean, we were pretty much 100% remote last year and now we have. So we're trying to make, you know, bring some of these things into the business or enhance them. Do you guys ever meet in person? I mean, obviously I heard Romania or Philippines and that kind of stuff, but are you ever even meeting in person with your Aussie-based team? Yeah, we meet in person. So it's weirdly, like my Australian project manager, she, she lives 15 minutes away, but she's still remote. But, we, <laughs> but we've met, yeah, we've, we've met in person. We, 
we've actually gone to client meetings together. Her and I have gone to like some strategy sessions and stuff like that together, which is actually handy having it remote but close. But the project manager before her was in Brisbane. We're in New South Wales, so in a different state. So we didn't meet. Obviously, mm. My husband's actually part of my team now, so obviously we meet fairly often. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the Australian, I've met all of the Australian team um, and none of the overseas team. Hmm. Let's talk about this uh, this travel topic because you brought this up um, a couple of times that your business really allows you or affords you the lifestyle to travel a bit. And while I'd love to turn this into a uh, travel podcast and talk about all the amazing places you've visited and the fun things you've Denver, done. Denver, Denver. <laughs> <laughs> you've been to Denver a few times, yeah, hanging out with the Ugurus team and, and all that good stuff. And But what I'm actually more interested in is kind of what, that you, what you've done in your business that's made that possible. Because for some other people, maybe it's not travel. Maybe it's, you know, taking, you know, extended staycations or leave from business or, you know, maybe working on other businesses or just doing something where, you know, something that's not running the day-to-day business, right? So for you, it's travel. For other people, it could be other things. So what types of things have you put in place that have allowed you to check out of the business, not be so hands-on when you decide that you want to go to Japan or you want to go to come back to Denver? Basically, it's getting the right people in the right seats and then getting out of their way and putting myself in a seat that can I can schedule and take time off for. So at the moment, I'm in, you know, obviously, the leadership role and I do the main strategy and discovery and sales. Um, but the nature of that is that I can kind of batch things up and say, okay, I'm off for two weeks or I'm off for a month. And you know, we're, we're working on a big client at the moment um, and they signed on last week. And so we're kind of getting that initial onboarding you know, strategy stuff done before I go away. It's actually quite handy as having an artificial deadline too for your clients because they know I'm going away. So they know we need to get this done so then I can hand it over to the production team and I can put them in our project manager's very capable hands and have them deal with it while I'm gone. Um, So I guess that's kind of it in a nutshell is not be responsible for everything in your business. Actually have other people who are doing, um, you know, I talk about brains work and hands work. And at the moment I'm kind of, I do the brains work and other people do all of the hands work. And there's a lot of hands work in, in what we do. So that means that a lot of this, a lot of the day-to-day running isn't stuff that I need to be directly involved with. So, so being, you know, I heard one thing that you said, which is essentially communicate this stuff with your clients. If you're going to be taking time off, you know, don't try to keep it a secret from them that you're still like, you know, running your business, but you're doing it, you know, from vacation and then you're on your phone or you're emailing all the time. So, and I know I've done that. I've just haven't brought it up with people. Then I've kind of felt like, oh, I don't want to tell them I'm on vacation and not working. Then they're going to think that I, you know, I'm not working on their project hard enough or something like that, which obviously people take vacations, right? So, so setting those, uh, communicating that with your clients and then um, also setting that, so setting that expectation with your your team, setting that expectation with yourself, those kind of milestones and things like that, and also having other people in the business. When did you hire other people? <laughs> other people, my bucket for anybody else that's in your business. <laughs> did you hire them um, when you first kind of restarted this business or was that something that you eventually like learned how to do and now do a lot of? I hired... Claudia, my designer, first out of the business because I can't use Photoshop. 
I can't, like I literally cannot design anything. So he, he was my very first hire as a freelancer. And then I just hired bit by bit as it's needed. Because, another thing about being virtual is it allows you um, more flexibility about who you can hire as well. So a lot of our people, to put them in the bucket, aren't full-time. In fact, very few of them are because they're not needed full-time. Mm. So being remote does allow that flexibility where you can get, for instance, you know, mums who've got small kids who can't get a normal job, in air quotes, um, because they can't work full-time, they can't work nine to five, their kid might be sick, they might need to work from home one day and, they, and they've been out of the workforce for five years, so they're kind of a bit unemployable by, you know, the general you know, standard of employment. Um, and so we, being remote and being virtual, we can have two or three people you know, sitting in a full-time role and sort of do job share remotely, which gives us more flexibility and more stability in that as well. So I hire four seats as soon as a role becomes available without it having to need to be a full-time role. Mm. Um, and I think that's allowed for a lot of flexibility. So our project manager, for instance, she works 10 hours a week. That's all she needs to do because the way we've set the systems up, we've only got six projects going at any one point in time. 10 hours a week is all she needs to do to keep everything running. We're looking at hiring another one for sort of the same amount in the next you know, quarter, but it's just, you know, we, that's all she needs to be. We don't need a full-time employee for that. And I think that's um, huge as a takeaway for people to think like your first hire or maybe even your next hire doesn't have to be a 40-hour-a-week W-2 you know, benefits type of person. So you don't have that kind of demand yet. I mean, you don't have to wait to start bringing in help. You can find people that maybe are happy with part-time. I mean, as, as they're quote-unquote you know, full-time, they're not working, they don't have any intent of ever working 40 hours a week. So you can... You know, they can come in, drop it on your project. I know we've got a few different contractors in our business that are working as little as five hours or even three hours a week because mm-hmm. that's just the way, that's that's the, the amount of time they have, right, to, to, uh-huh. to be working within your business. So that's, I think that's a really cool takeaway. Or it's the amount of time that the, the role provides, that the role requires as well. And it's just, you know, the, I think that flexibility... Um, and transparency is really important. So one thing you were talking about, you know, talking, communicating with your clients when you're traveling, one of our, you know, a core thing of ours is to be transparent. Like we make no secret about the fact that our designers in Romania. We in fact have that as a selling point. It's like if we get this, and again, artificial deadlines almost, if we get this by close of business today, you might have something magical tomorrow because our designers in another time zone um, and he works over our night. So we wake up to his work, which actually makes things much more efficient. You're almost working on a 24-hour cycle without anyone working outside of their normal business hours. And so to go back to the earlier point, when I am traveling, I'll, I'll let clients know that I'm traveling because I'll be in a different time zone. So that means that we need to schedule. If we, if I am doing any work over, which I do sometimes, we just need to schedule meetings that are in, you know, in a relevant time zone, they know I'm not as available and I'm not going to be as responsive as usual, but they know that I've thought about it and that the team can handle it and to direct all things you know, through the appropriate channels. Um, and I think that's better than just hoping that they don't notice and thinking that you're working at two o'clock in the morning because you're sending an email at that time of day. <laughs> <laughs> I like to you know, send my emails at 3am, right? That's a, that's a yeah, good time. That's pretty normal. That's pretty um, standard. 
Hey, agency owners, are you looking for a strategic and reliable white label partner to scale your agency business? E2M is the number one white label partner for digital agencies when it comes to website design, web development, e-commerce, SEO, and content writing. E2M is trusted by over 150 agency partners and has been providing white label services for the last 10 years. Their team has over 170 experts and is on a mission to help 500 agencies increase their revenue and profit margins with impactful white label services. Check out their transparent and flexible white label pricing at e2msolutions.com forward slash gurus. That's www.e2msolutions.com forward slash U-G-U-R-U-S. E2M is currently running a special discount for 10% off for your first three months. Check it out now. It's available for a limited time. So I want to talk real quick because, I mean, I think this has been something that we've, with your bootcamp groups, I've kind of hyped up about you a little bit is that being able to travel, being able to run the virtual business. And I think you've helped a lot of people in our program accomplish something, you know, very similar to that. But you've been able to kind of bring that experience forward. You know, I mentioned this in your intro. You've uh, coached and led over 100 uh, boot camp graduates through our program. Uh, what do you think are some of those challenges that you see in week one with people that have maybe small or budding virtual agencies where they, you know, they were kind of like you back when... Uh, right after your house burned down, maybe not with the huge tragedy, but what are some of those things that you are seeing with people that that want to build what you have but are just starting out? What are those those things? I think oftentimes it's people get too hung up on what other people think, um, and this was something that was a, a big issue for me. Is that there's sort of there's still this kind of perception that unless you have an agency with a foosball table and you know basketball hoops and beer in the fridge, um, that you're not a legit agency. And I think there is a little bit of that perception out there. So I think for a lot of boot campers, it's, you know, they feel like they're just me. Like, it's just a little me. How can I ever compete with those big agencies? And for me, one of the joys of being an entrepreneur and setting up your own company is that you can set it up however you want to do. Like, whatever works for you, can work. There are so many different business models out there, and as long as you keep, you know, keep your eye on the basics as far as that you know, you keep your margins in control and you make sure that your you know, your income is more than your expenditure, um, and you do sales and marketing and fulfillment. Like it really doesn't matter how you choose to do that. Um, so oftentimes, people I think they have a mindset that this is the way it's done. This is the way it has to be. Um, if I'm going to hire someone, they need to be full-time. I don't have any, I can't hire anyone yet because I don't have full-time role. And then they end up creating themselves like this tiny little bottleneck where they are, you know, the barrier in their business because they're trying to do everything. The other thing I think is that oftentimes entrepreneurs are, are control freaks to not put too fine a point on it. So actually letting go of, of the control of the business and actually trusting someone else to do something in a way that may not be exactly the way you would do something um, and arguably not as good as you would do it. But I would say that is absolutely arguably. I think that, you know, like I said, I can't design to save my life and I'm a hack as a developer, but I do know business. And so being self-aware of what you're actually good at and focusing on those skills and building up, getting people who are better than you are at the other things around you and supporting you in whatever capacity that is, I think is um, the way to, to 
develop whatever kind of business or agency you want to develop. And I think that's that's big, right? I mean, putting that intention out there of of saying, you know, here's here's the business that I want. It's funny. So we had Phil Lockwood on our uh, episode that just went live last week, and it's funny because he had the brick and mortar agency that was seventy people. Then he mm-hmm. left that and and basically went all virtual, went all in on that for for several years and kind of created this very highly profitable, much more lifestyle-focused business. And then he got this ambitious bug and he's now, you know, he's now going after, you know, he just, so he said in the episode, he signed an LOI for 7,200 square feet and he wants to have a $100 million agency over the next five years. And uh, and he's, he's shifting back over to that. And so I think it's been interesting for me, I think in 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 my experience, we had a very brick and mortar agency, and now YouGurus is very much virtual. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of it does depend on what you want out of your business. And the funny thing is, when we started our agency, we didn't actually ever sit down and have that conversation, which I think is mm-hmm. really important because at the time we were like, "Well, what are we supposed to do?" Well, mm-hmm. you know, we think that people don't, you know, aren't taking us seriously because we're officing out of our house, which wasn't true. We had many five-figure plus contracts. Many people didn't care. Uh, one guy did, and it got stuck in my head for some reason. So I just kind of did what I thought you were supposed to do, which was go get, you know, go get cool office space downtown, and 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 mm-hmm. you know that caused a lot of strife because it's expensive and then people show up and they're expensive. They're all local versus leveraging. You know, I think at the time when we were running virtual, we had a couple guys in Poland and the mm-hmm. purchasing power and the, the uh, yeah, there were some issues with the communication and sometimes they just go dark on us and all that kind of stuff, but they were like literally a tenth the cost of, mm-hmm. you know, US-based uh, people. And um, But I, I think that that's a key maybe takeaway for everybody that's listening is to spend some time, you know, beginning of the year, good time as any is is now, uh, but to, to really think about that. Spend an hour with a blank sheet of paper and say like, you know, what do I want out of my business? Not what does my business look like? What do I want out of it? And then work backwards to, okay, now what does my business need to look like to get me these outcomes? Exactly. And I think, like I think I said at the start of the podcast, it's a matter, it's the difference between having your business support your life or your life support your business. Like, what life do you want? What lifestyle do you want? What do you want your business to look like? And then how can you get from where you are to that? And it's different for everyone. And there's no right or wrong answer. Like, if you want to be a well paid, self employed freelancer, then yay, good for you. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. You can still utilize all the tools that you teach at YouGurus and, and get paid very, very handsomely as a solopreneur and stay that way if that's where you want to be. If you just never want to handle team or anything and that's how you want to be, you can still do that. Or you can do what I've done or you can be you know, a multi-gazillion dollar agency with you know, hundreds of staff and, and the big office. Like none of those are wrong answers. It all just depends on what you want to create and how you want your own thing to look. And I think, I think as humans, we care too much about what other people think as a, as a society. Um, and we don't spend as much time as we possibly should really looking and contemplating, for want of a better word, what we actually want. We just kind of go through the motions and end up somewhere. You know, that, that old saying, if you don't know where you're going to go, you'll get there. <laughs> <It's sad. laughs> we, just, we just kind of mosey along and say, oh, look, look what happened. Um, rather than being intentional about things. Um, and I, I'm 
I'm a big one for, you know, being intentional, setting an intention of whatever that's going to be and then, you know, making it happen. That's awesome. And I, I love just, I mean, the topics we've discussed today, the, the virtual team, how to run a, a good remote culture, how to make travel work in your business, communicating this to your clients. We've, I think we've covered um, some important parts of, of um, you know, setting that intention for your business and, and really thinking about that. So, so Marilyn, thank you for that. And um, if you're sure. ready, I have, uh, I've got some lightning round questions for you. Let's do it. All right. What is the best advice you've ever received? You can do anything you put your mind to. That's nice and short and sweet. Uh, That's which, it. <laughs> which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? Um, I think, well, it's kind of a dual thing. My tenacity, which comes from the you can put anything, you can do anything you put your mind to. If I put my mind to something, it it happens. Um, and then coupled with my, um, I. I it's hard to put into words, but I guess my openness to to a my own intuition and b to being told, like getting feedback. Um, I actually, if if I'm doing something wrong or if I'm speaking rubbish and people close to me say, "Marima," like no, like, it, it, we were talking about it in the big group with um, Michelle and calling me calling him on his um, bullshit. I'm open to people doing that to me. If I'm telling myself stories that aren't true and someone says, hey, Marima, that's not true, I'm very open to that and to adjusting accordingly, if that makes sense. I, I remember at You Summit, I think you became just from, you know, we had a, a couple of so talks at our, our <laughs> annual it's event. So and you became like the the uh, the official BS caller. Like that was... That was uh, but that's so, it's so not what I do, but... <laughs> Well, if I do, I do it with so much love. It's it's not, it made me feel like I was being mean, which I wasn't. But anyway, yes. <laughs> I think I think everybody took it the right way, right? But okay. um, can you share an internet resource or a tool that is really important to your business and personal success? So I've got two. None of them are particularly um, inspiring. One of them is teamwork, which is my project management and my chat function and my support desk. Um, it's fantastic. Um, and the other is Google Apps. So I don't think any of them are earth-shattering, new or unknown. Um, but those are the two that I couldn't run the business without. It, it, it's good. I mean, I, I live by Google Apps. Uh, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think Phil uh, last week said the book was his, his favorite tool. So, so there's, there are no rules with lightning around. Yeah. <laughs> um, what, what book would you recommend and why? Uh, so there's so many. I read a lot. I know a lot of the books that I've read, I've, I've already heard and I've probably heard from you. So I won't tell you any of those. But one that I just read over the Christmas break was Drive by Daniel Pink. Have you read that one? I have not. I'm, I am a fan of Daniel Pink, yeah. but uh, I have not read his book Drive. So it's all about motivation um, and it talks about the different stages of motivation. So motivation 1.0 is food, clothing, shelter. Do you have those things? Motivation 2.0 is like sort of traditional corporate type carrot and stick sort of stuff. Um, and motivation 3.0 is what drive is about, which is about um, that intrinsic motivation as opposed to extrinsic. So motivation from within instead of without. And so it talks about, you know, the, the core motivations that all humans have, which is, you know, the need for autonomy to have some kind of control over their life um, and the need for mastery to get better at things and the need to have a purpose. Um, and it talks about how to integrate that into your company to intrinsically motivate you and your staff um, as opposed to you know being forced to have carrots and sticks and time tracking and 
spying and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I found that really interesting. It just kind of solidified a lot of stuff that I'd been doing naturally. And it was really cool to see someone write a book about it. <laughs> so. Awesome. We'll, we'll link to that in yeah. the show notes. How can our audience find out more about you? Uh, they can hit me up. Um, I've got a fairly unusual name. So if you Google me, I will come up. Um, my website is eSense Web Design. And I also have a niche site, which is Medi Health Strategies, um, both.com. Um, or you can shoot me an email at marama at eSenseWebDesign.com. Awesome. And if you guys uh, are driving or on the road, uh, go to our website, yougurus.com. Check out our podcast page. Look for the show notes and you'll find links to all those things, the book recommendations, as well as any of the tools or topics that we mentioned uh, during the program. So make sure you guys check that out. Marima, thank you so much for stopping by the program today. We really enjoyed this chat. My pleasure. Always a pleasure to chat. All right, guys, that is your episode of the Digital Agency Show this week. Stay tuned for more great content coming to you from yougurus.com. Until then, I'm Brent Weaver. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And remember, if you want this free gift all about how to scale to six and seven figures and beyond in your agency, just text the word FREEDOM to 720-792-8036. That's the word freedom to 720-792-8036. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver.